Hey, how's everybody doing? And welcome back to 125 Unfiltered, episode 64. And today I have a two part episode for you guys. Gonna talk about UNC's win over Georgia Tech on Saturday. And then obviously we have to talk about the big loss last night against Miami. Two different sides of the coin for UNC basketball, and I'm going to talk about both of them. So let's just hop straight into it. Now, before talking about the first game, I found out before recording that I've been having a couple mic problems. Uh, A couple episodes, my mic hasn't been fully plugged in or hasn't been connected to my computer, but I've solved that issue now. So from here on out, audio quality should be in tip-top shape. If there's ever been an echo in past uh, episodes, that's probably why, because the mic wasn't fully plugged in, or I was just using my computer audio uh, speakers. But we've got the Blue Snowball mic, a very good starting mic, actually, for any uh, of you out there who want to start podcasting or you doing any uh, audio project. So, uh, yeah. Starting off with UNC beating Georgia Tech on Saturday, 88-65. to A very complete game from the Tar Heels. And who led us? None other than Armando Baycott. Another 29-point game. Added 12 rebounds as well. 10 of 16 from the field. Made all 9 free throws. He was so good against Georgia Tech. Just like he's been all season. He won ACC Player of the Week for the second week in a row. He's a contender for ACC Player of the Year up there with Paolo Bencaro, and he's going to be huge for our success moving forward, especially when we play a team like Duke, who's got Mark Williams, Florida State, who just beat them last night. They have a lot of good big men, and at this point, Baycott is a walking double-double. But Baycott was not alone on Saturday night. R.J. Davis had a fantastic game. 21 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, shooting 8 of 11 from the field. Four of six from three-point range, all of which were in the first half, contributing to his 16 first-half points. And he came out firing from the start of the game. He made two threes off the bat uh, to help get us out to a 13-4 lead in the first four minutes. And that kind of kept us ahead for the rest of the game. And he had some nice step-backs as well in that first half. And his aggressiveness, you know, when, when Caleb Love... Uh, wasn't hunting a shot down completely. Second half, he was probably a little bit better, but RJ combining with Armando Baycott for 50 points is what led us in this one. Caleb Love still had a good game, though, with 14 points. Brady Manick added in 11, and the team overall shot pretty well. Can't really complain with 47.6% from the field, 36% from three-point range. That percentage, which dipped in the last few minutes, once we put the subs in, it was hovering around the the low 40s range for most of that game. And then something that UNC fans can be very happy with, 90.5% from the free throw line. But that is not the reason why this game is a blowout. We won this game by 23 because of our defense. Some of the best defense we've played all season, and that's because of Leaky Black, a player who I have criticized on this podcast several times due to his offensive limitations, but defensively, he was incredibly stout against Georgia Tech's Michael DeVoe, leading scorer in the ACC. Black held him to two points, one of five from the field, six turnovers for DeVoe. He did not score in the first half. He was completely taken out of the game. Leakey, combined with Caleb Love, did a great job not only in not letting DeVoe score, but not even letting him get shots up. There would be times where DeVoe would drive into the lane on his preferred left side, and he couldn't even shoot up a lay because he was just being smothered by our two guards. So very good job there to Leakey. And we heard Coach Davis really credit him after the game, going out every single night, guarding the other team's best player, and DeVoe was in a box. 
Georgia Tech still had some decent performers, though. Jordan Usher had a very solid game, 22 points. And this guy can really, really play. He's got a great mid-range game. He's got a bag in the post. He's listed at 6'7", but he can take big men down there, use his turnaround game. He's got a three-point shot. And I, I, even when we played Georgia Tech last year, I always thought that Usher was a good player. But man, he can really knock down some difficult shots. Uh, so he was their leading scorer. And then Davon Smith had 16 points off the bench, sophomore guard. Really, really impressive as well. He had a pretty big dunk on Caleb Love in that first half. So aside from those two guys who combined for 38 of Georgia Tech's 65 points, not much offensive production elsewhere. And that is because of how well we contained or stopped, rather, Michael DeVoe. DeVoe is there. He runs their offense. Not only is he a great shooter and a great scorer, but he's a great ball handler. He can make the right pass. He's a senior, makes good decisions, been in big games, and due to us stopping DeVoe and not letting him get going early with Usher and Smith, that really limited the other players around him. Uh, and their offense just became a bit stagnant. Usher had to hit some tough shots in, in, in the ISO game, but that's not team basketball. That's not how you that's how you score one time, but it's not how you score several times over and over again. Meanwhile, on the other side, UNC was doing a great job passing the ball around, getting Baycott good looks, getting good three-point looks from the outside with Caleb Love, Brady Mack, and obviously R.J. Davis. Now, we love the three-point shooting for sure, but we need to talk extensively about Armando Baycott. Through the Miami game, he's averaging 17.2 points, 11.2 rebounds, over an assist a half and a half, 64% from the field. This is looking like an ACC Player of the Year candidate, and I know we just dropped the game against Miami yesterday. He didn't have his best game, especially in that first half, but this guy has been remarkable for Hubert Davis, not only on the offensive end, getting offensive rebounds, getting good rolls to the basket. He does such a good job with his positioning and his footwork down low to get himself nice layup attempts and then dunks. Obviously, he had six dunks against Georgia Tech. But defensively against Georgia Tech, he did a great job down low. He cleans up the defensive glass, and he does a good job getting the ball out to the guard so we can run and transition, something we've done pretty well for most of this season. And you got to love the free throw shooting as well, going 9-for-9 nine nine from, the, from the line. Something we haven't seen Baycott completely do, especially early in his career. The, we're seeing Baycott take massive strides as a player. He even knocked down a mid-range jumper. He tried a couple three-pointers. He can knock down a shot from there. Um, we, we saw him do it earlier this season, obviously. But when he goes to work in the paint one-on-one, -on -one, there are not even five players in the ACC who can stop him. It takes a whole bunch of players to stop Armando Baycott, and we saw that a bit last night against Miami, but when Georgia Tech tried to have him go one-on-one, -on -one, it just did not work out. And no, we, we, we really appreciate the, the improvements of Caleb Love and, and uh, RJ Davis, but for this team to really make a good run in the ACC, have a shot at making a good tournament run, Armando Baycott is going to continue or need to continue dominating. And as long as one of these guards plays well with him, we will have a shot. RJ Davis, so dangerous when a shot is falling. He is a shot maker. Him and Caleb Love can shoot it from anywhere on the court. They have NBA level moves. 
And R.J. Davis has been doing this since high school. That step back three he had on Usher with the shot clock winding down, just absolutely remarkable from NBA range pretty much. But that level of aggressiveness is what we want to see from R.J. We want him to take those shots. I know he went 0 for 10 the game before against Virginia, but Hubert Davis needs R.J. Davis to put up offensive production, and we can't complain with 8 of 11. And the best part is, is he did it early. Starting off with two three-pointers, four threes in the first half, like I said earlier in the episode, this is where we want R.J. Davis to be. We want him to thrive from the perimeter. We want him to take uh, drives inside. He's a natural scorer. I know he's not as tall as some other guards out there, but man, he plays with a lot of heart. He's also going to be crucial for this team going forward. And then lastly, with this game, everyone bought in. Play tough defense, play efficient offense. R.J. Davis said it in his interview. It's we over me mindset. It's being instilled in the team. And we truly saw that against Georgia Tech. A lot of unselfish play, a lot of good ball movement. I love how Baycott is becoming the center of our offense with the guards being able to supplement it from the outside. It's a nice versatile offense. It's nice and balanced. And that's why we beat a team like Georgia Tech by, by 23. And here I am thinking, hey, we win this game. We're at least tied for top. We play we if we win against Miami, we're tied for top of the ACC, maybe lone standing. Taking great momentum in, big wins over Virginia, Georgia Tech, and what happens in Miami last night? Absolute annihilation on the part of the Miami Hurricanes. And they blew us out of the water. UNC lost 85 to 57. By far the worst performance of the season. That's including Kentucky and Tennessee as well. This team came out so flat in the first six minutes. After the three by Brady Manic, we were scrambling. Forcing the ball inside to Armando Baycott when it wasn't there. Taking too many threes, just chucking them up. And then turnovers, bad passes leading to points in transition for Miami. For players who played well for us, Baycott had 15 points, 12 rebounds. R.J. Davis had 9, but starters other than Baycott shot 7 of 32 from the field. We were 6 of 30 from 3-point range, 34% from the field with 14 turnovers. How are we supposed to beat a decent team with those numbers? We got to jump shot happy at the start, and we were sloppy. And then defensively, we let Miami take any shot that they wanted. It was Sam Wardenberg early. He had 21 points for the game, five threes, but he had about 17 in the first half. We saw Brady not be able to guard him on the perimeter. We saw Baycott be on him, and Wardenberg was doing a great job mixing it up, shooting threes, and then pump fake and drive. He beat Baycott several times doing that. And then Isaiah Wong, 25 points, 9 of 18 from the field, 5 threes as well for himself. He just took that game over second half pretty much. Caleb Love, as great as he was defensively against Georgia Tech, not so much against Isaiah Wong because Wong, again, just like Wardenberg, took any shot that he want. Getting to his spots, being aggressive, Miami was the aggressor last night. They had more to prove than we did, or at least they showed it and acted like it. And didn't even mention Cameron McGusty. Well, guess what? He had 20. 7 to 15 from the field. This Miami team shot 46.4% from three-point range and scored 30 points off turnovers. 
We had 14 turnovers. That is 2.1 points per turnover. That is an insane stat that we can't allow to happen because not only are we committing bad passes and, and bad turnovers, but we're letting that transition into easy baskets, fast break dunks, transition threes. And this game got so out of control within those first 10 minutes, there was no way we were coming back. And this was a really good Miami team, a very hungry Miami team who beat Duke in Cameron, but then lost by one point in a very close match against Florida State, their rival, or one of their rivals. So they see Carolina come in, and they were ready. They had a sense of urgency. They were hustling more than us. This was an effort problem last night. It's not just about coming out flat-footed. It's about seeing a good team ahead of you and playing up to the level of their competition. And we just faltered. Happened right against Kentucky, a very similar plot line. And I don't I don't know why we get off to these terrible starts against these good teams. We beat Michigan when they were ranked, but that's really our most impressive win. And when you see how we stack up against teams of our com- competition, you look at the Miami game, lost by 28. Look at the Kentucky game, we lost by 30. Tennessee beat us by double digits. I mean, the Purdue game, we we played them pretty close, still lost by nine, but that was one of our better games. But it comes a point in time we're beating up on these smaller teams. We need a statement win fast. We need a win that we can say we beat a good team and we outplayed a team that could arguably be better than us because Miami showed that they were way better than us, way more confident, wanted it more. We saw them hustling after 50-50 balls, offensive rebounds. They were running their offense to a T. And our offense was messy. We were all over the place. Bad force passes inside to Baycott when he just wasn't open. Why was he not open? Because Miami was double teaming him on the baseline. They, They only had one big in there with four guards, but they have one of the guards on the weak side slide over to the paint. And once Armando catches the ball, there's at least two Hurricanes down there. So Armando either needs to kick that ball out immediately, potentially to the corner where that defender came from, or at least the weak side wing, where he's got to, he at the minimum, got to keep that ball high and not let those little guards scrap at him. Because he was getting a little beat up down there. And again, like I, and like I said earlier, it's not going to take one player to stop Armando Baycott. It's going to take a crew. And Miami had a crew and had a defensive plan to take Baycott out of the game in the first half. Once that happened, our offense couldn't recover. We were out of rhythm. We were chucking up long shots. And because of that, we dug ourselves too deep of a hole in the first half where we just couldn't climb out offensively. We weren't running good offensive sets, weren't getting good shots. And then defensively, obviously, we were letting Miami kind of take whatever shot they wanted, just... Just giving them just presence of open shots. And yet again, here's a stretch big, just absolutely torching UNC. Nate Leshevsky did it uh, for Notre Dame, beating us with six six threes. Sam Wardenberg, who averages seven points a game, had his career high with 21. I don't understand why we can't guard a stretch big, why we struggle with them on pick and, with pick and pops. But that's something we need to fix on defensively. And overall, there were just some lazy closeouts. 
not doing a good job rebounding the ball. It's the little things in a game like this. As big as the score can be, and as glaring as those stats can be, it's all about the little things at the start with passing and defense. And if you give a team like Miami easy baskets, they have talented guards who can hit tough shots. And that kept them out in front. And we're, we're going to hear Tar Heel fans talk about our inability to play away from home. Three and five, not in the Dean Dome. But for me, this is about rising up to the level of competition. Thankfully, we don't stoop down to the level of competition because we're beating teams that are worse than us. But again, we need a statement win. We need to beat a team that's better than us to instill that confidence and show to not only the fans, but to the team themselves, hey, we can compete at this high of a level. This team is good enough to be top of the ACC, top three. They didn't play like it last night. And I'm more concerned defensively than offensively because Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Manic, they had bad shooting nights. That's going to happen. Baycott is going to make some bad decisions when he's being double and triple teamed. We can fix offense, offensive troubles, especially a group as talented as this. But defensively, the woes that we had are completely inexcusable. And speaking of defense, Isaiah was playing, or uh, Miami was playing four guards for most of the game. They had Isaiah Wong, they had McGusty, Miller was out there, Moore was out there with Wardenburg. Starting lineup right there. Four guards. Why are we trotting out three forward lineups? There were points in the game where we were playing Justin McCoy, Brady Manick, Armando Baycott. You got to match up to these younger lineups or to these smaller lineups. It makes sense if you want to keep running your offense. And even for me with Manic and, and Baycott in there, we are still having troubles defensively because what are we doing? We're playing screens. We're, I mean, there were, the, we're having Miami take advantage of our bigger players on screens. Wardenberg was able to do whatever he wanted off of screens, whether he's rolling to the basket or popping. And I like it. We didn't go under every single screen. We did a good job sometimes kind of, there was, there was one play on, on a Wardenburg three where he had Baycott and I believe RJ or Caleb chase the ball handler. But then when it went back to Wardenburg, Baycott just trotted back. You got to hustle back out to that perimeter. And it just seemed like we couldn't defend that one-two punch for Miami all night long. Now, ho- hopefully that bit made sense for you guys, but that that's a hustle point right there. Got to hustle for closeouts. A small part of the game. A tiring part of the game. But if we want to compete with these top teams in the ACC, if we want to make the tournament, we need to play at that level. We did it against Georgia Tech. I struggle to understand why we couldn't against Miami. But with that being said, it's one game. I feel like even not me during this is being a little a little overdramatic about the result of this game. We played terrible. Worst game of the season. But it's one game. Miami shot the lights out last night, and we didn't. We didn't make our shots. They did. It can be as simple as that. But when you dissect it a little bit, we need to figure out, and I've, I've seen people on the web talk about this in articles, what our identity is. Are we going to be going for shootouts? Are we going to be a hard-nosed defensive team? What type of team is this? And that's why I think when we play some teams coming up, like Duke, we play Wake Forest this Saturday. They're not bad this year. NC State, we don't want to lose to NC State. 
These are three decently large in-state games that can turn the tide of this season because right now our trend is that we're beating up on the little teams but can't hang with the big boys. And that's what we need to do. And with that being said, that's going to do it for today's episode of 125 Unfiltered. The highs and lows of UNC's basketball season are in play, and hopefully we can bounce back on Saturday against Wake Forest. I will hopefully be there to cover the Wake Forest game with Daily Tar Heel. Super excited about that. And then I will actually be covering three UNC basketball games at home next week for Sports Extra. So big things coming from me in that uh, with that game coverage, I'll be able to bring you guys great UNC basketball coverage. So thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.